0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And I wanna open up with a story. Um, I know that everybody dreams, I know that. We're, we dream every night, but I never remember my dreams. But I know scientifically I'm dreaming, but I do remember my nightmares. And I have two to three nightmares every year. And I've had the same nightmares for 35 years. They're exactly the same. The faces change. Sometimes the location changes. But they're always the same. And here's my nightmare. My nightmare is I'm in a big auditorium, two, 3,000 seats. I'm sitting in the front row. And I'm waiting for the speaker. It's a Christian meeting. And I'm so excited about, you know, being the one sitting and listening. And then someone walks up to me and they say, Hey, you're up in five minutes. You're the speaker today. And I say, no, I'm not. And they say, yeah, and they show me an advertisement and say, you're speaking today. And then I'm like panic, like you can't believe in my dream. I'm just like, D-. and I don't have any notes. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I am not spontaneous. I cannot do spontaneous. And I'm like freaking out. And I go to the back, and I'm just pacing and freaking. And then I wake up just like this, just freaking out. Two to three times a year, I have exactly that similar nightmare. So I guess you can tell that I... I really worry about not being ready to minister, right? And we're gonna talk about being ready today because all of us, according to the Bible, need to be ready for one event. And I don't want you to be freaking out like I do in my nightmare uh, when this event happens in your life. And here's my big idea. This is what I wanna open up and, and just unpack today, help you understand it more clearly than ever. And it goes like this, are you ready? to meet Jesus. So every Christian in the room, in rooms, said, of course I am. Well, you're ready to go to heaven. That's, you can't work your way there, right? So you accepted Christ. You're going to go to heaven. Here's my question, though. Are you ready to meet Jesus? That's, that's a, that's different. Uh, And we're going to talk about that. So we want to talk about two types of ready today, ready to get to heaven, and then ready to meet Jesus. We're going to have a blast as we do it. I'm going to take it out of Leviticus, because in the book of Leviticus, God gave this annual feast to the children of Israel and for us to remind us that Jesus is going to come unexpectedly. Did you know the Bible teaches we don't know when he's coming? The only thing holding them back is what I call a quota, and that's when God decides enough people have accepted Christ on this side of the tribulation period, and then he's going to look at Jesus and say, come, come bring them home. But nothing else is holding him back. And he could come at any moment. And the big question is, are we ready? So God puts this feast in there. It's one of the seven feasts of Israel. And I want to read the text to you. It goes like this, Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are the appointed festivals or feasts, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assembly. So there's seven of them. Every year they had to do these different Uh, Feast or festivals every year. Now, when Jesus came, the first time he fulfilled the first four. There's only three left. One of them is what we're going to talk about today. It's called the Feast of Trumpets. And it's all about us being ready because we don't know when Jesus is going to head back. So we want to be ready when he heads back. But some of you are sitting here saying, man, I never even heard of the feast or I'd like to learn more about them. So I wanted to give you a resource. Here's the resource. It's Zola Levitt. You can go to his website, levitt.com. and just look up the Feast of Israel. Now, Zola's in heaven, but its website's very current. But what I love to do is just go to YouTube and get everything for free. So if you go to YouTube and just put Zola Levitt, Feast of Israel, excellent teaching will come up. It's all free if you want to learn more about the feast. But today we want to talk about the Feast of Trumpets. Do you know what they call that today? The Jewish people changed the name. The, the name today is Rosh Hashanah. And most of us have heard of that Jewish holiday. Do you know that that word Rosh Hashanah literally means new year? And I'll show you why. But can we first look at God giving instructions about this feast? Because this feast is all about blowing a trumpet. The trumpet was a shofar, which is made from a ram's horn. And it sounds like a trumpet. And every year he wanted them to take a day off and blow that trumpet. And to remind them there's a future event. None of us know when it's going to be. But we know from the New Testament now, right guys, that the trumpet's going to sound. We're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and we're going to go up and we're going to meet Jesus in the air. Plus, we're talking about an event. Can we all agree some of us are going to go meet Jesus a little sooner, right? I mean, we don't know when he's coming. Some of us can cross over before that. None of us know when our day's coming because, you know, people die from accidents and other things. So we, we have no idea when we're, we're going up there, but what we want to do is make sure we're ready. So here's Here's what the Bible says Leviticus 23, 23. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly, commemorated with trumpet blast. Verse 25, do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. Here's this beautiful event. So once a year, they blow the trumpets. He says, Make it a Sabbath. That means rest. He says, do no normal work, and then he says, offer up uh, this food offering, which we know grain offerings are what? They're a type of worship, type of prayer, and in this case, thanksgiving and worship, and here's the picture that he's painting for us. It's coming a day when we're going to be called up, we're going to be taken out of this crazy world, we're not going to have to fight our way through, we're not going to have to work like we do down here like crazy just to even stay sane, We're going to enter into that rest with God. It's going to be beautiful. You know what's interesting about this holiday? It took place at harvest time every year, and so it's painting the picture. It's going to be when God takes the harvest from the earth, and that's why it's harvest time. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, they call it New Year's because it's not their, it's not Israel's New Year's Day like our New Year's Day but it's the start of a new phase of a year. It's like what we do in September. Can we all agree in September, everything changes? I can tell you, pastor in a church, when kids go back to school, everything changes. That's when more people come to church. That's when people say, all right, I'm ready to commit and do this group or that group. And that's, that's what happened here. Harvest is gone. They enter into a new phase and it's all painting a picture that there's coming a day when we get to go home and everything's going to be new And the question we're asking is, are we ready to meet Jesus? So can we talk about the two types of ready? Because there's two types of ready. And I want to talk to you about those. And uh, the first type is just being ready to go to heaven. And in order to talk about this, I I want to share something with you that Jesus talked about. And I want to ask you a question first. Have you heard the the term fake news? Has anybody heard that term? And you know I'm not political, so I'm not even going to tell you if I agree with our president or not. Because if you want politics, you'll listen to the news, won't you? You don't come to church to hear politics. So I'm just going to teach you about God. But we know that term, fake news. Do you know that Jesus talked about fake churches? He didn't give it that name, but he talked about fake churches. And Jesus warned us Christians, and he said, guys, there's going to come a day when there's all kind of fake churches, and I don't want you fighting those fake churches. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to help me pull people out of those churches and bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus literally gave us three parables to talk about this, and they're really fun. Here's the three parables that he gave us. The parable of the tares in the field, the mustard tree, and the leaven dough. And you can see Matthew 13, 24 through 39, if you want to read those this week. They're amazing. But did you notice it begins in verse 24? Verses 1 through 23, do you know what Jesus talks about? The most important parable in all the Bible, the parable of the sower. So he gives that first. Then he comes down and gives the parable of the tares. And then he goes ahead and does the mustard tree. then he does the leavened dough Then his disciples come to him and say, hey, we don't understand the tares. Can you explain it? And he says, sure. It's only one of two parables he explained. He explained the parable of the sower, and he explained the weeds. You know why? They're so important. He doesn't want a preacher to mess up the interpretation. So this is really important. He's trying to teach us something that's really, really important. So, what I'm gonna do is, we're just gonna go through this and have an incredible time. I'm gonna talk to you about uh, the, the parable of the tares first, because here's the story, here's the parable. Jesus said there was a farmer. He planted good seed in his field. And then he went to sleep. Then an enemy came and planted bad seed. Then eventually the plants came up. And then his workers came to him and said, hey, someone planted extra seed. Do you want us to pull them out? And he said, no, don't pull them out because when you pull those seeds out, you're going to pull out some of the good seeds. He said, let's wait till the harvest. And they're scratching their heads. Like, well, what is this all about? But I want to tell you something. This parable is the very thing I went into ministry with the philosophy I went into ministry with, which is this, not to fight, not to fight anything, but to teach the truth. And Jesus is talking about us fighting fake churches here. He's saying, don't fight them. He says, just teach the truth. Because if you fight a fake church, you're never going to change the hierarchy. The institution is going nowhere, but you will destroy the good people that are in it. Some of them have accepted Christ. And he's saying, don't you dare Don't you dare fight it. And so that's why you'll never see me come against anything here at Believers. Now, you might be sitting there saying, what's a fake church? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you guys what a fake church is. A fake church is any church that doesn't proclaim that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's a fake church. There are fake Christian churches. There are Christian churches that are cults, some that are fake. And then there's other religions. And any church that doesn't preach or proclaim There's just one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. Some of the fake churches will tell you Jesus is, you know, the Savior. He died. But then they'll tell you, but you have to do A, B, and C in order to go to heaven. And they give you these other things that they created. And so there's tons of people in their churches that haven't met Jesus yet. And it's like they're just sitting there, and they don't know Christ. And so God's saying, hey, part of us being ready to meet Jesus as Christians is having a heart for those those poor people that are trapped in those churches. So can I give you the interpretation? Here, here, here's the interpretation of the terrorists. Um, Jesus said, I'm the farmer, the son of God, and I plant the good seeds. And then he said, the enemy comes and plants the bad seeds. And he said, the good seeds are the kingdom. So it's his churches. And then the bad seeds are fake churches. The enemy comes and plants them. And he says, the harvest is the end of the world. And he's just letting us know, guys. And he gave us two other parables to support it. The devil's going to plant all kinds of fake churches, and we need to be aware that they're there, but we don't fight them. We just keep proclaiming the truth, and we want to pull as many people out of those places as we can. By how? Just proclaiming the truth and having a heart for them and going after them. And again, I believe that's part of us being ready to help people out. So there's the tares, and it's interesting. Do you know the word tares, the Greek word there? It's literally referring to a plant. And this plant looks just like a wheat plant. Literally, it's referring to a plant. And you can hardly tell the difference. It's almost impossible to tell the difference between a wheat plant and this fake plant, the tares. And they both develop the head of kernels. They look the same. But then right at harvest time, the tares turns a completely different color. And it's like, ah. Now I can see, I really believe, you know, God's telling us we can't judge people's hearts. We just have to preach the truth, pray for people, and do everything we can to pull as many people into the kingdom as possible. So then he he says, let me reinforce this. So he gives us the mustard seed. He says, the mustard seed's really little, but it grows into this huge bush. And then he says, the birds of the air come and nest in it. Another picture of the same thing. Do you know that birds are always negative in the parables of Jesus? Every time. Now you might be sitting there saying, but Jesus spoke highly of birds on the Sermon on the Mount, right? He was telling us to trust God to meet our needs. He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, but God meets all their needs. That's not a parable. That's an example and a teaching. But every parable, do you know the parable of the sower? Do you remember what he said in the parable of the sower? He said, the hard ground is where seeds fall on. Then the birds come and eat the seeds. And then when he explained the parable, he said, the bird's the devil. It's the enemies. Birds are always bad in Jesus' parables.' So get a hold of this. All he's saying is, The church is gonna grow really big and God's church, Jesus church is awesome. All over the world, guys, it's awesome. But he's saying there's gonna be all kind of fake churches mixed in. So what's our heart? We're not gonna fight them. Do everything we can to pull as many people out as possible. And then he says, oh, by the way, kingdom of God's also like a woman with a lump of of dough that puts yeast in it, and then the yeast permeates all the dough. And we talked about this in lesson one. Yeast is always negative in the Bible. In every parable of Jesus. And what's these? It's just the fake churches. And he's saying it's, it's going to be hard to tell some apart. Others is really obvious, you know, the fake religions, really obvious. But he says, here's your heart. You want to do everything you can to pull as many people in as possible. You know how Billy Graham recently went to heaven? And I saw this documentary, it was an hour long on his life. And so I, I recorded it and watched it. It's, it's amazing. I wept through the whole thing because they showed all of his crusades early all the way through. Then they showed him on these talk shows like with uh, Johnny Carson and Jay Leno, Larry King, Oprah. And in every situation, they're saying to Billy, they're saying, how can you say Jesus is the only way? How can you say you're better than other religions? And everybody loved Billy. And I, I know why, because you know how he answered? He said, hey, I'm, all I'm saying is the Bible says there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe in him, you can't go to heaven. The way he said it, people just said, okay. And they went on because he's Billy Graham, right? And, and he could just say, say it, but he knew how to say it because he wasn't fighting the fake institutions. He was just sharing the gospel. And you, you and I will get so much further if we do that. So part of us being ready is saying we need to make sure all these poor people on the earth, some don't even go to church, right? we need to make sure they're ready. But now, here's the question I ask us about being ready, and it goes like this. What do you want to be doing when Jesus returns? Have you ever thought about that? There's a scripture I want to read to you, but can I tell you a story? This is a true story. It just happened not too long ago. I have a good friend here at the church, and he's very connected to the community. And he wanted me to meet a community leader. He says you got to meet this guy. So we're working on setting up a lunch. We set it up for a Monday, and uh, that's my day off. I work six days, so it's my only day off. But I thought this will be fun. It'd be relaxing. So we set up a 12 noon lunch. Then I had the craziest weekend of my life. I ministered church on Saturday. And then I worked. I had to work afterwards, and I was here till midnight working. I had, I had to get a message done that I was working on, so I worked till midnight. Then I go home. I do two Sunday morning services. Then I had a board meeting that went till 3 30 after church. And then I had another event. So I'm home like at midnight, and I'm a zombie. And I said, since I feel like a zombie, I'm going to watch The Walking Dead. Why not watch a zombie show if I feel like a zombie? So I watched that. Then I wake up I don't know, 10 o'clock the next day. And I'm just sitting around. I I thought, I'm going to stay in my pajamas all day. I'm not going to shower. Gina goes, how can you not shower? And I go, oh, it's easy for a guy not to shower for a day. And I I thought, I'm not going to shower. And I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's not going to be anything. I'm not doing anything. And about 10 minutes after 12, I receive a text from my friend, and he's so gracious. He goes, are you almost here? And when I saw it, I remembered, oh, no. Because I'm paranoid about not being late. My parents made sure we were never late. And I'm just, I can't be late for anything. And every night before I go to bed, I look at my calendar to see what, what are my events for the next day. Because sometimes I have a 7 a.m. And, and if I don't look ahead of time, I'll, I won't go to that. So I didn't do that Sunday night. And I'm sitting there and I think, oh, I'm meeting a community leader. My, my friends talked me up, and now I'm not even there, and it's 10 after, so I call my friend. I go, hey, and I told him the story real quick. I said, I apologize, but no, every apology sounds fake, doesn't it, about that time, and, and uh, yeah, the dog ate my homework and all that, right, so I said, what do you want me to do? He said, how soon can you get here? And I said, I'm a guy. I can be ready in five minutes. He said, he said okay. And he, I said, I'm five minutes from the restaurant. He said, we'll wait for you. So I go walking in at about 20 after 12. And I don't know. Can we all remember a time, that, the shame, you know? I talked about how I have not felt shame before God. Last, I think it was last week. I haven't felt shame before God in 20 decades. But whatever, two decades, 20 years. Thank you, honey. I need her. I need her bad, see? Now now get a hold of this, but I did say last week, um, I do feel shame in other areas, and I walked in there, man, red-faced, shamed, and no matter how much they said it's okay, I wasn't ready, and I felt shame, and when I think about Jesus, I don't want to feel that. I don't want you to feel that, and here's the scripture. It's a really good scripture to Christians. It says in 1 John 2, 28, and now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. That doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. You're going to heaven, baby. And we'll see that in a moment here in another scripture. But are you going to be ready when he comes? Here's how the Message Bible puts it. 1 John 2, 28. And now, children, stay with Christ, live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, with no cost for red face, guilt, or lame excuses when he arrives. It's all about being ready. So can I help you understand that too? Because some of you, some of you, you receive condemnation even if I say something extremely positive. You're just that kind of person. So I want to help you out. No condo, all right? Conviction's always good because God convicts me all the time that I need to change something or up my game a little bit. Conviction's really good. But let me help you explain it this way, or understand it this way. If I were at an action movie, and I just recently went to see Black Panther, if you haven't seen it, incredible movie. If I were in the movie theater watching Black Panther and Jesus returned, I would feel zero shame. I would not be ashamed at all. Because it's not about me not being able to have some entertainment or fun. It's about where's my heart at? Am I seeking and living for God? Is he the number one priority in my life? God knows we're going to take breaks. And it's not about you, you know, putting on a robe, shaving your head, and going to a monastery because I want to be ready when Jesus comes. No, it's all about where's your heart? And the majority of you in this room, your heart's right where it needs to be. But can I be honest with you? I have to constantly readjust my priorities because they get out of whack really easy. You might be saying, well, you're a pastor. Of course you're ready. No, you can pastor a church and it can become a business. I'm telling you, it, be, it can become just going through the motions and your heart can be far from God as a pastor. And I think some of you probably experienced that in a few places. That's easy to do. And I'm constantly saying, Lord, because guys, you can get really good at speaking, right? And uh, you, you can get good at what you do, but I want passion, and I want to have a passion that, man, this is the most important thing in the world, and I hope you feel that when you're here, but it's easy to lose it, so I'm constantly making readjustments, and you know what hurts us? It's not that most Christians aren't living in sin. All of us struggle with a sin, don't we? We all have a special thing we struggle with, right? We keep saying, you know, we got to overcome that baby, but, but, but our hearts are right. We love God. We're living for God, but we get distracted, And and here's my last point. It goes like this. We have to avoid the distractions of this life. And they're crazy. And that adjustment always has to happen. Here's another story. You know, Gina always tells me, because I tell a lot of stories about her and I. She says, you only tell the stories where you're the bad guy. She says, tell some stories where I'm the bad guy. I go, oh, I can't do that, honey. I just, it just doesn't seem right. You should tell stories and tell on yourself. She goes, I, I want you to begin to tell stories where I'm the bad guy. I said, okay. And so I, I agreed to it. So this is one of those stories, right? And it uh, has to do with the first 10 years of our marriage and how every time we were going somewhere, we, we argued and fought in the car. The reason we argued and fought in the car is because she was always late. And so we had this thing. And you know I already have a shame button, right, if I'm late, right? So, so I would tell her, all right, honey, 540, we have to be in the car. We're going to be there at 6. Okay. And so I'm right in the kitchen waiting to go into the garage. And it's 545, and she's not there. And then it's 550. Went on for 10 years, by the way. 550, <laughs> and she, she's not there. And then when she came down, I had no filter my body language said, I am mad at you, and there was no way to hide it, no matter if I said anything or not. I said, <laughs> and then we get in the car, and we drive wherever we're going, and she's going, honey, I, that's the wrong attitude. You shouldn't have that attitude towards me, even though I was late, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you what I said. <laughs> so, so by the time we arrived, we've gotten other issues because of how I reacted. So then Gina says, I want closure before we walk in, and I'm like, she likes closure, and I'm like, we can have closure afterwards, but we're already late, and closure's going to take 10, 15 minutes, and and I'm not ready to say I'm sorry anyway, and so (laughs) the only closure we're going to have is let's shut the doors and go in, right? (laughs) 10 years of that. So finally one day I figured it out, because Gina is prompt she is organized. She's way more organized than I am. She's not standing in the mirror doing extra primping. That's not what she's doing. I, 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 I start watching her, and I should have did it sooner. Gina and I are both, we're not OCD as far as diagnosed OCD, but we're down on the bottom of the spectrum, and she cannot walk away from the house unless everything is perfect. So she was ready on time, but then she said, let me wipe this, and let me clean this, and let me wipe down the shower, and let me do this, and let me do that. And, and I noticed, well, you're, you're not late because you're late. You're late because you just have to do one more thing. So then we talked about it. I said, honey, let's just not do any spring cleaning <laughs> until the time for spring cleaning. And so every, every time we had to go somewhere, I'd say, no, no spring cleaning in the car. And, and then she, she would do it. She, she would be perfect. But what was it that was hurting her and making her late? Distractions. That's what happens with us, distractions. We're just distracted. And again, that's an adjustment. So 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to read there in a moment. But verses 1 through 5, it's so cool because it's all about Jesus coming back. And the Bible says, hey, you don't know the day. You don't know the hour. But he's going to come like a thief in the night but he's not going to catch you that way because you're ready for heaven. So it's not going to be negative, but he can catch you off guard. And then he says this in verse six, he says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, so be on your guard and not asleep like others. Watch for his return and stay sober. Are you ready to meet Jesus? So can we talk about this? Let's let's unpack this a little bit. Be on your guard. So we have to make a decision. We're going to make sure we're ready. Not asleep. We can be spiritually sleeping, right? Just distracted. And I think that's why I use the word uh, stay sober. He's not talking about uh, alcohol and being drunk on alcohol. He's just saying don't be intoxicated with this world. And all that means, guys, is we have to live our lives. Sports are awesome. All those things are awesome. Here's what he's saying make sure Jesus is the number one priority. And keep making the adjustments you have to make. Because if you're going to do this over here, you might have to make an adjustment over here. Because you want to make sure you're living for God. And you don't want him to come, and you haven't cracked your Bible open for a year. You're not connected to what he's doing. He says, man, stay connected. Stay ready. Can I exhort you now on this next part? I love it. I love it. I love it. Verse 9. For God has not chosen to pour out his anger upon us, but to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think in every campus we should give it up and just thank God for this. Can we, can we just celebrate a little bit? That's amazing. It's amazing. So Jesus, we saw, We think it was last week or the week before, we saw the scripture where uh, for us, he's coming the second time not to deal with our sins, but to bring us salvation, right? And so your sins have been judged. God judged them. Jesus took them. You are, you are forgiven. This is about him coming so you can live. And so I mean, he's so good, man. His love is so incredible. That's why we want to just live our lives for him. Listen to verse 10. He died for us so that we can live with him forever, whether we are dead or alive at the time of his return. So we just want to live for him forever. And then verse 11 says this. So encourage each other to build each other up just as you are already doing. Do you know the word encourage? When I hear the English word encourage, I think of patting someone on the back and say, that a boy, you're doing good. But this is the Greek word that means exhort. And exhortation means like, hey, come on, you can do better. You're doing okay, but you can do better. And I hope you see this message today as that exhortation, man. I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you. Let's make sure we're ready for Jesus. And here's what I love about God. Are you ready? I don't have to make a list. The Holy Spirit's in you if you're a Christian. He speaks to you. He deals with your heart. And I know that's already been happening. Can I make one more distinction before I pray? Condemnation is not for us. Never take condemnation. But conviction is something God does in our hearts. And some of you might be convicted. That's okay. That's God just saying, let's let's take it to the next level. Because he wants us to be ready. Why? Because that trumpet's going to blow. We don't know when it's going to blow and then Jesus is coming back, and we want to say, man, I'm living full blast for Jesus. I want to thank all of you that are living full blast. Guys, can we bow our heads every campus? Close our eyes. Lord, I did my best to bring out this incredible part of the Bible. Lord, you began to show it to us in the book of Leviticus. Thank you for that. We appreciate it, Lord. You're so good. Hats bad, eyes are closed. I just want to give Christians a moment to do Gina's favorite thing, have some closure with God right now. If he's convicted you, just to to let you say, Lord, I'm going to make that adjustment. I'm going to make that change. I'm going to make that move. I'm not living fully for you, but I'm, I'm going to do it. are closed, all all three of our campuses, guys. Maybe you walked in today and you weren't ready for heaven. The Bible says whoever calls on his name, he'll save us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to heaven but through him. You know, here at Believers, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We we believe a church service should have four things. One is celebration. One is saturation. That's the Spirit of God saturating the the place. The other is education. That's what we just did. And number four is salvation. And I want to give you an opportunity now to receive salvation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, man, I can't remember a day when I made it real and accepted Christ, but I'm ready today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else, all the campuses, can we help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God. I realize I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. And this day, I receive you as savior and make a decision to follow you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, listen. If you prayed that prayer, miracles happen. All your sins were washed away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. It's absolutely amazing. Heaven's your future destination. You might not have felt a thing, but it happened. It really happened. Your life has changed forever. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc